0: Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm your host, AJ, and I'm so glad that you're listening today. I appreciate it. We're in part six of this series, Who Is This Jesus? Part six of a series we've entitled, Who Is This Jesus? Of course, we've looked at, in the first five episodes, we've looked at that Jesus, He is the bread of life, that He is the light of the world. We looked at it that Jesus is the open door, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And last episode we looked at Jesus as the resurrection and the life. We also went to, and I'm going to go again today as well, to Exodus chapter three to just kind of bring in into perspective this, this I am statement. Jesus makes seven of these I am statements in the book of John. Today we're on the sixth I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. And just to refresh your memory, Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. So he, God, said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. So we get to the book of John, and Jesus reveals who he is as Lord. He reveals his divinity and deity as the Lord. The Word became flesh. The Son of God. And, of course, completely man. F- Philippians chapter 2 shows us that, that he emptied himself as who he was as God to become man and walk this earth as a man, but still completely God. But living an example in flesh, in a body, on the earth, showing us what it looks like when a person is completely surrendered to the will and the Spirit of God. Of course, we see that Jesus, he had the Spirit without measure. And he lived in an example, and he endured temptation and affliction and persecution like we do. The book of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest that is not unaware of the things that we encounter in this life, but he's completely aware of it. He, he's not unsympathetic. He, he lived the life just like you and I live. Yet in that, he is completely God. And he was revealing himself and the nature of who he is in each one of these I am statements. So we get to John chapter 14, we're going to read a couple of verses, and we'll get to the sixth I am statement. John 14 verse one, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me." You know that's a good promise just to keep right now, isn't it? That's a good promise to keep in your heart and your mind. don't let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. In fact, just this, we're already deviating off topic here, but this is good to know. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, if you jump all the way all the way to the end of this chapter. Verse 29, and I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Verse 31, but that the world may know that I love God. The Father, as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go up from here. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's a promise to keep in your heart and your mind. John 14, 1, John fourteen twenty-seven. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. The world can't give you peace. The only place you can get true peace from is from the Lord Jesus Christ. The only place that you can get peace from is from the Lord Jesus Christ. True peace. You know, in the world, the world defines peace as absence of conflict. In other words, you know, think about with wartime and peace. If there's no war there's peace. In other words, the absence of war means there is peace. But in the kingdom of God, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the existence and the presence of God. We have peace even if there is conflict. The world has peace when there's absence of conflict. We have peace in the kingdom of God, because we live and breathe and move and have our being, Acts 17, 28, in God Almighty. So let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled by what you see on news headlines. Don't be troubled by what you hear of people saying or what uh, people say you should be afraid of or the fear of men. Do not be troubled. Have peace from God that is unshakable. All right, here we go. Verse 2. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. Where I go, you know, and you know the way. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth and the life." This is the sixth I am statement that we see Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. We're going to look at each one of these statements. We're going to break it out into basically three points. So Jesus says he is the way. Well, what, what does that exactly mean? What does it mean, the way? Okay, Matthew 7, verse 14. There's actually seven different ways we see that Jesus is the way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14 says this. We'll start at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the The way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way or confined is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus is the way to life. Jesus is the way to eternal life. There is eternity afterwards. There is a life after this life. And the way you enter into life, the way you enter into heaven, the place called heaven, and you enter into life, not just when you die, but enter into the life of God right now is by the way Christ Jesus. You remember, what is it? Uh, Two episodes ago, Jesus is the open door. I think we actually went to Matthew chapter 7 on that one as well. Jesus is the open door. If you're going to enter into a room, you have to enter in through the door. I'm sitting in my office right now. How did I get into my office? I had to walk through the doorway of my office to get into my office. Anything you receive from God, you do it by way of salvation through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. He says that in John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you're going to enter into salvation, if you're going to enter into the things of God, you have to do it by faith in Christ Jesus. You know, when you get a grasp of this, you realize that everything that God desires for you is available through salvation. Really, it's just the natural minds. It's just people. Maybe I've done it. Maybe you've done it. And let's correct this if we have done it. Only It's people who divide up the benefits of salvation. Let's go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction. I'm actually personalizing this. It says your, but I always personalize it. Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy who satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagle, eagles. There are benefits. There are things that are connected to salvation. Salvation is this full package of the life of God. And, and, and sometimes religious thinking has tried to divvy up or separate what God has made available through Christ Jesus. Healing. Provision, peace, strength, long life, fullness in life. I'm streaming on TikTok right now. Someone just put up the Greek word sozo, and that's perfect, which means nothing missing, nothing broken. When Christ came, he came to save and save fully. And everything that we receive from God, we receive by faith in Christ Jesus. Healing, provision, redemption from destruction, crowned with loving kindness, filled with mercy, satisfied with good things, renewal of strength, a full, abundant life we receive by Christ the way. Now, Jesus is, he's the way to the things of God. He's also the way of escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. Verse 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So don't get prideful. If you're standing, know it's by the grace of God and your submission and being obedient and faithful to God that's why you're standing. That's why I'm standing. That's why you're standing. It's not because I'm special or you're special, but because of our faith in God we're standing and being steadfast in the midst of trial and opposition. Verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Any temptation you encounter, any temptation that comes your way, is common to man, uh, well, you know, I'm in, I'm, some people fall prey to this idea that they're encountering something that is exc- you know, completely exclusive to them. No. Temptation comes to all people. Temptation, tribulation, attack comes to all people. But God is faithful. He doesn't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Because even though temptation comes, He gives a way of escape. This is why it's so, nece- you gotta get this in your heart and your mind. It's so necessary to understand Romans chapter 6, verse 14 sin no longer has dominion over our lives. You do not have to live under the thumb of sin and temptation. You don't have to be a slave to temptations. You don't have to fall, go from falling to falling to falling to falling, from sin to sin to sin, to stumbling to stumbling to stumbling. You can live holy. Because God empowers you to live holy. Because every temptation is simply a test to prove the faithfulness of God. And how is the faithfulness of God proven in temptation? By overcoming it. I was just talking to a precious person the other day, and I was making that aware to him. Look, you can overcome by by faith in Christ, you can overcome any temptation. You don't have to be a slave to anything that's tempting you because he's made a way of escape he's given you the ability and how's that by Christ Jesus Christ has purchased dominion over sin and over temptation and that leads us right into this next point Christ is the way to God he the way to God he is the way of escape and Christ is the way to holiness well, well, you know, by natural, you know, I guess you might say like linear progression. If you go one, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D, E. Well, if he if he is the way of escape from temptation, uh, God's not just going to leave us, you know, just escape temptation and leave us there. No, we've overcome sin and overcome temptation so that we can live in a life of holiness. Hebrews chapter ten, verse nineteen. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He is the way into holiness. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. When he spilt his sinless blood, having become a sin sacrifice... Bearing the sins of the world, so that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That brought salvation. And in the covenant of salvation, in this new covenant of salvation, of the remission of sins, is the way of holiness. The Bible tells us no man shall see God apart from holiness. And how do we enter in this holiness? By faith in Christ. It's about the blood of Jesus, by faith in the blood of Christ. Knowing that I can enter into this holy place. It's, it's looking back to the Old Testament way of worship. There was a tabernacle, and in the tabernacle there was the most secret place, the holy of holy place, where the high priest could only enter in but one time a year. And even then must take, come in with the blood of a spotless Lamb, which of course was a representation, a symbol of what Christ would do on the cross. But you and I, as Christians, have free access. Ephesians two eighteen, by the blood of Christ Jesus, by one Spirit we have access to the Father. And Christ, by His blood, has made a way into the holiest. We can enter the place that the high priest, one man one time a year, could enter into this place where the presence of God dwelt, you and I can go in boldly, freely, anytime. Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way into holiness. The next verse, Hebrews 10, 20, By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over The house of God let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We've entered into this new and living way. We've entered into this new and living way. Jesus is the way. He is the new and living way. When we encounter Christ, when we receive him as Lord and Savior, we receive a new kind of life, the God kind of life. It's a supernatural thing, being empowered and infilled with the presence of God, being made a new creation, having received a new nature, because we once had the nature of sin, the nature of wrath, because the spirit of this world, Satan, the spirit of disobedience, was in us. But now we've received a new life. Christ is the way into this new and living way. He is the the entry point into this new and living way. So you and I, when we live, we just act different. We talk different. We live differently. Christians look, live, act, talk differently. And And if that's too beyond your thinking, have your mind renewed by the truth of God's Word. You know, Christians aren't supposed to just live the same sinful lifestyle that they did before they encountered Christ. What were you saved from if you're still doing those things? You don't have to suffer the same defeat and destruction that you were suffering from. You've been redeemed from the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse of sin and the effects of sin. I've been ransomed, bought back and brought in, reconciled, brought back to God. And I've received this new and living way. Because Jesus is the way of righteousness. 2 Peter 2 verse 20. We're actually going to look at, uh, at three verses in 2 Peter chapter 2. That gives us these last three points under this first main point that Jesus is the way. 2 Peter 2 verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Forgive me. I wrote down the <laughs> I wrote down the, the wrong reference here. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there were false teachers among you. 2 Peter 2, 1. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covenants they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Christ is the way of truth, and we see here in Second Peter chapter two, this is a warning against false teachers. This is a warning against the deceptions of false teachers and destructive doctrines. And, and the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Peter, is making this point here. Many have fallen, followed their destructive way, and they have left the way of truth. Because Jesus is the way of truth, 2 Peter 2.2. 2, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. They left the way of truth for, the, for destructive truths. That's what false doctrine does. It destroys it hurts, it harms, it maims, it weakens, it sickens. Destructive doctrines, false doctrines, anything that is in opposition to the truth of God's Word is an enemy of truth. It's an enemy of truth. Second 2 Peter 2.21 For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. See, Christ is the way of righteousness. He's the way of truth, and he's the way of righteousness. And and the point being made here is the deception of these false teachers. It actually would have been better for them not to know the truth than to know the truth and turn from it. And this way of righteousness is Christ Jesus. When you get a hold of it, don't turn from it. For great is the destruction when you turn from the truth of God's word. And lastly, Jesus, he is the right way. He's the right way. Second Peter 2, verse 15. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. <laughs> but he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. Of course, Balaam, in fact, we, uh, we looked at that in a wake-up call, uh, la- the last wake-up call of this week, uh, wake-up call 038, that he sh- uh, God is not a man, that he should lie. Go check that one out if you didn't listen to it. Go check that one out. But of course, Balaam, what did he do? For, for a little bit of money, for a little bit of riches, for a little bit of wealth, He traded his position with God, a true prophet, then backslid for some money, for some riches, from some gold and some silver. And he forsook the right way and followed what is now called the way of Balaam. Don't be bought out. Don't don't allow yourself to be bought out from the truth of God's word. Do not allow any shiny riches or treasures of this world to bring deception in your heart. You know, some things that are shiny, it's like a fisherman's hook. You you look at these lures, when fishing lures, just maybe you fish yourself. I've went fishing a couple of times, and one thing I noticed with fishing lures, depending on the type of fish, but most all lures have, lots of lures will have sparkly things on it, shiny things, things that have a pop of color or reflect light. What's the purpose? To catch the eye of the fish. So that the fish will go after this shiny thing, this sparkling thing, this glimmering thing, catch its, catch, try to catch it, thinking it's food or something interesting. And what happens? It gets hooked. And someone just put it in the stream. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, which is perfect. It tells us, you know, you can't have the love of this world and have the love of God. In fact, I'll read it, because that, that's a great one. That's a great reference. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Don't allow the sparkly, shiny hooks of this world to hook you and pull you away from the truth of God's Word. Don't allow the sh- 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 shiny, sparkling hooks to draw you out from the right way, from Christ Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus said, we'll read our main text one more time. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. John chapter 1, verse 17 tells us this. John 1, verse 17. Verse 16, And of His fullness we've all received in grace for grace. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All truth, now you might think, okay, what do you mean by that? The truth of God, the knowledge of God, has come to us by Christ Jesus. Who is Christ? Well, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, and as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. And He was full of grace and truth. So we can look at the life. You know, it's a good thing to do as a a believer. Constantly read the Gospels. So that you can look at the life of Christ. See what Jesus said. And look at what Jesus did. And you'll know the heart of God. What Jesus said and did... In this, when he walked on this earth, in this ministry, when he was ministering on the earth, how he ministered to people, what he said, what he did, revealed the heart and the nature of God. So we look at it. Look, for instance, healing. There was no time when anyone came to Jesus and asked for healing and came in faith that they didn't receive healing. Yet, religion will sometimes tell us, well, you know, you're not healed because God's just trying to teach you something. Why didn't Jesus do that when he was ministering on the earth? Why didn't Jesus say that to to someone that came to him, Lord, I know you can heal me if you want to, when when the leper said that to him. What did Jesus say? Oh, dear brother, you are carrying this leprosy for the glory of God. No. He said, if I will... I will. I'll do it. And again and again and again, he said, because of your faith, you've been made whole. Every single person that came to Jesus and received him as he is, received from him what he, what he bought. What he bought and purchased by the blood of the cross. Even leading up to that. And we, we see that again and again. Any person that came to Jesus with a need, the need was always met. Any person that came to Jesus with a need their need was always fulfilled and abundantly fulfilled because Jesus was full of grace and truth there's a great series um, by uh, uh, two pastors, Gene and Austin Lingerfeld, Faith Christian Center in in Dallas-Fort Worth area and they have a series it's like 80 something episodes and it's entitled, What Did Jesus Really Say? and they go through all the sayings of Jesus, it's really really good because there are a lot of folks in the earth today that will say completely wild, idiotic statements and say, you know, Jesus would think this way, or Jesus would say this, or Jesus would do that. Let me tell you something. If you attribute anything to Jesus that is contrary to the, to the Bible, then Jesus wouldn't say it and he wouldn't agree with it. Because Jesus is the Word. He is the word, he is the living incarnate word. Jesus when he walked this earth is literally you take the Bible and it becomes a human and fulfills everything that's in the Bible. That's what Jesus was doing. Because he's the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he revealed truth. And he cut through lies and deceptions. And that's the thing, you know, the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 4, that the Word of God is a two-edged sword, and it cuts and it severed. In fact, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We'll see what truth does. What does the truth of God's Word do? It reveals secret things. It divides, properly and correctly divides and separates. Verse 12, for the Word of God is a living and powerful Excuse me. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13 And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The word of God cuts through it discerns, it determines what is correct and what's not in the thoughts and the intents of people's hearts. And this is how we this is how we battle spiritual warfare. This is how we war the war of the mind, the battlefield of the mind, in Second Corinthians chapter ten tells us that we, are, we have these weapons of our warfare. They're strong, they're mighty, they're not carnal. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians ten five, casting down arguments, pulling down, uh, of casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God empowers us to know what is true and what is not. And Jesus is the truth. He has empowered us To know what is true and what's a lie. To see through the deceptions of Satan. And what does that truth do? When you get a hold of the truth, what does it produce in your life? Well, John chapter 8, verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the truth. And when you receive his truth, you receive freedom. You receive liberty. You receive freedom from everything that once bounds you up. You know, when you get a hold of the truth of God's word, you act differently. You realize, wait a minute, this thing that's engaging in my life, is a consequence of the curse of sin, but I'm saved and I'm set free. It no longer has a right, the authority to be in my life. I've received healing. Christ purchased it for me. By his stripes, we are healed. Sickness, you have no right to be in my life, in my body. Torment, anxiety, and depression, you can't live in my mind. Brokenness of heart, you can't be there. I have fullness of life. And when you get a hold of the truth, it brings freedom. It brings liberty. It sets the captive free. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we share the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is why we tell people the good news of Christ Jesus. Because those that hear and believe are set free. When they hear the truth of God's word, believe it, and they're set free. Those that hear it and don't receive it, they remain shackled. They remain imprisoned. Imprisoned in, imprisoned in their doubt, their unbelief, and their sin. But anytime people hear the truth and believe it and act on it, they're set free. They come out of that prison of sin, that prison of destruction, the prison of death. And they're given freedom. They're given life. They're given life. All right, last point here that we're going to make. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the life. John 10, 10, I, I go to this verse so often, and I love it. I Missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne said that this is the gospel in one verse, and I agree with him. I love it. it it's a good one just to keep memorizing in your heart. John 10, 10, the thief, Satan does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. Here's the thing. If Satan shows up, he's, he's got one purpose that manifests itself in three ways. If Satan shows up, he's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. He's going to steal, he's going to kill and destroy. Don't attribute that to God ever. Satan would love for you to attribute what he does and put it on God so that you'll be mad at God for what he does. After all, that is what deception would do. But what does Christ come to do? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Christ is life, and he brings to us the abundant life of God. We receive the abundant life of God through Christ Jesus. Everything that God has made available to us, we receive it by Christ. We've already talked about that in this first point, Jesus is the way, but we receive his life. We we looked at that last uh, episode five. Jesus is the resurrection in the life. When you encounter Jesus, you don't get life. Like he's not making you alive in the sense of it's just a thing he does. Rather, Jesus is life. Jesus is life, and when you have a relationship with him, you experience who he is, which is life, as opposed to. A thing that Jesus gives you. Jesus is the resurrection and he is life. Life is not something he gives to you, but rather it is himself in you. And, and that's what this turn of the century, the night of, of the 20th century, late 1800s, early 1900s, was this move among the church that was a mighty revival throughout the world among people like R.A. Torrey Andrew Murray, a. B. a B Simpson, A J Gordon, E M Bounds, different ministers of that nature many more and they it was called this deeper life movement. And it was this idea, this understanding that you don't just go to God and have a relationship with God to get what he has. You understand God's a rewarder. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us that God is a rewarder. He diligently, He rewards the person that diligently seeks after Him. He is a rewarder. I'm not saying He's not. But to experience the benefit of salvation is not just, Lord, do this thing in my life, but rather as I'm in total surrender to God and I'm living and dwelling and having relationship with the Lord, who He is and what He is, comes to, comes to pass in my life, is made alive in me. Made alive in me. And it's less about, you know, like, for instance, healing. It's less about healing is less of an act that God does and rather he is health. He is life. So when I receive healing, it's not just so much as God like doing a magic wand. You're now healed, Zappo. It's I'm experiencing who he is, which is health and life. And his life and his health drives out sickness and disease from my body. He is provision. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that provides. It's less about God, like, it makes a way for me to go and produce income, and more so the blessing of the Lord, Proverbs ten twenty two maketh rich and adds no sorrow with it. When I'm in relationship with him, surrendered to him, yielded to him, I encounter him... And I live in this wealthy place. John twenty-two, or excuse me, Genesis twenty-two, fourteen. In the Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. When I dwell in the Mount of the Lord, what I have need of is provided. And Jesus is the life. When I enter into Him, I enter into life, and everything that is life. Romans five verse ten tells us this concerning death and life. Romans five verse ten. Romans 5, verse 10. For if then we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Through death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now notice that. We've been reconciled by God through His death, and we're, made, and we're saved by His life. We identify with the death of Christ, spiritually, when you believe on Jesus, spiritually we have died with Christ. We have been buried with Christ. Our old man is dead and buried in the grave. And don't go digging it up. (laughs) Amen. Don't go dig it back up. Leave the old dead you there because you've been made alive with Christ. And you've been brought back to God by the death of Christ. And you've been saved by his life. You know, it's what what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering and in the power of His resurrection. Jesus is the life. He is the power of God that makes things come alive. He he is what brings about life and peace and joy, fullness of joy, fullness of happiness, fullness of truth. John 14, 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me Because I live, you will live also. Because Christ lives, I live. And though even if this body will breathe its last breath and I go to heaven by way of the grave, or I'm transfigured in glory at the calling up and the rapture of the church, by either way, I'm just changing addresses. Because once I believed on Jesus, I will not die. This physical body, even if it is laid in the ground for a time, my spirit, who I really am, will never cease to live because I've encountered him who is life. Hey, well, I'm so thankful that you joined me on the Faith for My Generation podcast. That was part six of Who Is This Jesus? Make sure you join me next Friday. Next Friday for part seven of who is this Jesus when we look at Jesus is the true vine. It's going to be really, really good. So make sure you join me next Friday. So subscribe to the podcast. That way when I drop the new episode, you know, you'll get a notification where anywhere the podcasts are, wherever you listen to them, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can subscribe. I would greatly appreciate it. And remember, we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.